Hello, I'm Rick Lancaster. Thank you for tuning in. Grab your Bible as we study through God's Word together. It's my hope that as we go through these messages, that we will all grow in our understanding of God's Word. As we grow in our understanding, we'll also be better equipped to glorify God, bless others, and grow faith ours and others. If you have any questions about anything in this teaching, send me a message. I would love to connect with you. With that said, let's get into the Word and see what the Spirit would say to us today. Hey, um, remember Pastor Rick in your prayers? Um, You know, he's starting a new uh, uh, series out of Matthew next week. And so he needs your prayers to get his strength back and um, to study and all those good things that happen that uh, we'll get out of the book of Matthew, okay? Well, as we enter a new year, it's important to look back from a prophetic perspective and see what is different from a year ago, right? We've done that almost every year that I get an opportunity to come and share um, uh, a prophecy update. And for years, we would share that prophecy update, and quite honestly, not much changed. You know, there's a little bit here and a little bit there, but not so in the past couple of years. Um, things are happening in an interesting manner, let's say. But I, w- I want to start and say that we're a blessed people. And Troy kind of alluded to it, and I didn't prompt him to say any of that. Um, out of Daniel chapter 12, verse 8, it says... Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the end of time. We're blessed because we're watching the end of times be fulfilled prophetically. Um, you, you know, if, if you get discouraged over what's going on in the world... It's because you're not looking to where you need to look. Where is that? That's in heaven. And the simple fact is, is that as we watch these end time prophecies fall into place at an accelerated rate, because I think it is accelerated, um, we should be blessed and feel blessed. The world seems to be tottering, if you think about it, on the brink of disaster each minute of the day. Wars, financial crash that they're talking about, food shortages, lawlessness, pestilences all around. If we get hung up on those, we miss the point that things are not falling apart. They're falling into place, aren't they? And they really are falling into place. In Matthew 24, um, I want to read out of Matthew 24, verses 4 through 13. I just feel like we need that base of understanding again. So let's go there. If you have your Bibles, turn there. And it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. 
And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Wars and rumors of war. Um, boy, aren't we hearing that everywhere? China's about to invade Taiwan, the Ukraine. Um, we also hear about nation versus nation, you know, Russia versus Ukraine, or this country versus that country, famines, pestilences, earthquakes. All of these things are mentioned as the beginning of sorrows. But if you compare that to, uh, in, Thess- in First Thessalonians, it compares it to the birth of a baby that initially, uh, when the baby is being formed in the womb, things start out slow. But as the time gets closer for the baby to be born, everything is intensified. Well, guess what? That's where we're at in this day and time. Things are intensifying, and these signs that Jesus gave us appear to be accelerating at a pace that I don't think we can all keep up on, you know? Um, A lot of times what I'll try to do in the prophecy update is give you 10 to 12 things that I saw, you know, in the past year. Well, there's not enough time to give you 10 or 12 things. I'm going to give you um, a few today. But it's easy to, to know that these things are beginning to happen. All you have to do is to begin to look at the wars and the um, uh, rumors of war. And then you have to, to take a look at the riots that are happening within countries. Right now, the Netherlands, Belgium, Brazil, China, Iran, Romania, Greece, Canada, U.S., Peru, you can keep going, um, are having riots within the country, within the country. And in fact, one uh, organization that I looked at in a paper that they published said that there were 400, 400 protests taking place right now in 132 countries. That's a lot that's going on, and what's important in all of that is that it's between the people groups. In our country, for instance, you know, pro-life groups, and I don't know if you've read much of this, but pro-life groups are under attack, and in fact, there were two in Omaha that were sent life, listen to what I'm saying, life-threatening notes that the people that were pro-life would be killed and you know that nothing's happening. Nobody's looking at that. And they're, they're just leaving that out there. And so all these pro-life groups, especially in these two, they're fearful that their lives are in jeopardy. But what's important about all of that, as Matthew 24 tells us, is that nation is going to rise against nation. And it also goes on, and, and if you look at those words, that that. Um, term, nation means ethnic group. So it's ethnos versus ethnos, which means that the people within um, the country who are the same people, Romanian or, um, you know, or uh, Hispanic, Mexican or whatever, you know, they're fighting against each other in their ethnicity. Well, we see that happening everywhere in Iran. We see it happening in Syria. Um, It's ongoing that there's ethnic groups versus ethnic groups within the the world. In addition to all of that, there are volcanoes about to erupt. One study that I read said that there were 47 
active volcanoes just a couple of weeks ago. Active volcanoes, 47 of them, about to um, blow, okay? And one of the worst ones that you don't hear a lot about um, is, is real close to us, you know? Uh, and so the, the issue for us is, is that something is beginning to take place that, ex, it, that is accelerating, whether it's volcanoes or earthquakes or um, the race riots that are going on. And then think about pestilences. You know, let's not get started on that one, right? Um, we've just come through two years of this stuff. And I don't know if you are aware, but the CDC and the WHO are saying that there's another one or several coming in the near future. Now, how does the CDC know that a pestilence is coming? An interesting question, isn't it? Well, the point of my long introduction is to show that the world is becoming more and more global. But we as born-again believers have a front row seat. And I will tell you that that should be something that should be exciting to us. Because what are we looking forward to as it culminates? The return of Jesus Christ. If we can't stay excited about that, something's wrong with our Christianity, to be honest with you. Because we should know the times. Jesus told us that, that you should understand what's going to happen. Well, and, and remember, and I want you to keep this in your mind, things are not falling apart, they're falling into place. And we're going to talk about today several prophecies that I believe are falling into place more rapidly than at any other time, obviously, in our history, because the culmination is coming. The title of my message is, Are We There Yet? It's a great concept, isn't it? You know, all of us have been in a car with kids or Andy, and the first thing that comes is, Are We There Yet? Oh, you haven't driven with Andy? I'm telling you, you get him in a car, and the first thing he says is, are we there yet? Here's the point, spiritually. That's a question that's being asked all over. Are we there yet? Are we there where Jesus is coming? Well, let's pray, and we'll get into the message. Father, we love you. We are blessed to be called children of the living God. We pray, Father, that you would guide and direct our knowledge, that we would know and understand that you are God and there is no other. So, Lord, as we look into these prophetic events, help us to understand that we don't need to fear that. There may be tribulation, but we serve Creator God. And that as we look, Father, we can look to you for your direction. Help us as a church to hear your voice and do your will. Bless us as we get into the message that you alone would be lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to talk about six prophecies of the end times. And I say six um, because um, I had to cut it short. I had 12 to start with and had to keep moving it back, moving it back, because I didn't think you wanted to be here until one o'clock. Um, I do, but I don't think you did. So, 
we're going to try to get through six. There are four that I really want to spend a little bit of time on because these four, I believe, are very important for Christians to understand that what is beginning to take place is really falling into place. And so as we look at these four in particular, and then we'll add the other two, um, just to understand that God is on the throne. This didn't take God by surprise. And in fact, the scriptures that I will give you show you that God gave it to man prior to, okay? So the four, we'll start with number one. And just remember, these are all falling into place. The prophecy of a one world government. In Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation 13, it tells us of this one world government that will devour the whole world. In Daniel 7, 23, it says that. In Revelation 13, uh, verses 7 through 8, we're told that the Antichrist will end up having authority being given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. A one world government will have dominion over the whole earth. That doesn't surprise us or shouldn't surprise us because we've heard some prophecy before. The interesting thing that we should feel very strongly about is the fact that we're not going to be here. The rapture will come and we will be gone, but those whose names are not written in the book of life are going to be left. And as they're left, they will give devotion to this one world government. Now, there's nothing new about Satan's desire to be crowned ruler of the world, is there? You know, uh, even starting in Genesis 3, um, Satan wanted to be God. But in, in Genesis 11, uh, it, it talks about the Tower of Babel and um, just a short little uh, uh, commercial here. Um, this is January 1st. You should be started on your one-year Bible today. You know, um, you'll be able to read through the whole Bible if you have a one-year um, Bible uh, at your, your uh, bedside table. If you don't have one, let us know and we'll help you get one. All right, you'll get to the Tower of Babel soon. But in verse 4, it says this, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. What did mankind want to do? They wanted to make a name for themselves, and they wanted to stay together so that they would govern themselves together. They excluded God out of that. Well, God came down and saw that that was not a good thing, and so he thought otherwise, didn't he? He confused their speech, and then he spread them around. Well, today, man is seeking to form a government over the whole earth again. In fact, if you think about it, there's not really a strong world leader um, in our world today. You know, uh, the world leaders of the past, the, the Chamberlains, uh, the Reagans, you know, um, some of those, even the Gorbachevs, you know, there is none of those kinds of people that um, were respected 
and were somewhat feared. There's really nobody on earth right now that is like that. And in fact, there are world leaders that are calling for a one world government. Emmanuel Macron from France, in a speech just recently, a few months ago, he said that there needs to be um, a one world government in speech, in a speech he gave, claiming it would avoid conflicts between competing superpowers. So his view is, um, now I really think Macron thinks he's the guy that should be that, but be that as it may, he's saying that there needs to be a one world government so that there won't be conflict. Gordon Brown, an ex-prime minister of Britain, said the same thing, that a one world government would cause um, the world to be a better place because they would be united. So what's important to note is the fact that a one world government is not a new thought. It was prophesied in the word before. That's number one. Number two, it's not a new thought of man. Um, Satan had this thought a long time ago from the, almost the beginning of uh, mankind. And then the third thing that's so important is that the UN, the WEF, which is the World Economic Forum, and you'll, you'll um, if you want a lot more information, come to the uh, uh, future today prophecy meetings because you'll get a lot more of this uh, if you stick around next week. Um, the UN, the WEF, they've developed something called Agenda 2030. Agenda 2030 is, is, is calling for world governance to be implemented by 2030. If you haven't read that document, go look it up. It's pretty intense about what the UN and the WEF is, is putting out there for the whole world, the whole world. And the, and the thing that's happening is, is that countries are beginning to embrace 20, the Agenda 2030 and headed towards utilizing that as a blueprint for the future one world government. So 2030 is calling for a one world government. The major difference between today or last year and, and um, years before is, is twofold. One, Israel is a country. We know that they became a country in 1948. And scripture tells us that that generation, as they come into being, will not pass away. And so one of the reasons why we look at the end times as being right now that we're the end of the end times that we're looking at is because Israel became a state again after almost 2,000 years. That's uh, uh, never happened before. When was um, Israel destroyed? AD 70, when Titus came in and, and burned down the city of Jerusalem and the Jews were dispersed. And now they're coming back into the country and have been since 1948 when they were called a country. So that is an, a, an extremely important prophecy that we need to understand. But the second thing that I think is so important that we need to understand from a one world government standpoint is, is that this is the first time that the ability to govern globally is available to the world. In past times, Rome was a world-dominant country, but they couldn't control all of their people. The same thing um, with the Constantinople um, uh, kingdom. Um, they couldn't govern everybody, but technology is so advanced that it can monitor your every purchase, your health, 
and soon your thoughts. Elon Musk uh, has a thing called Neuralink. And if you don't know much about Neuralink, you need to look into it because um, he's even saying that <clears throat> this year, not next year, but this year, 2023, that he's ready to start implanting that into people's brains, okay? Now, there's some good in Neuralink. He's saying that with the technology, they're going to help blind people see again. But it's also going to be able to monitor even your thoughts. So, uh, when we look at um, the, the technology, uh, Elon Musk, and then there's a guy by the name of Nor. Noah Harari, and he states that AI, um, artificial intelligence, will create a new transhumanism and that humans won't even be needed. Noah Harari is an important figure on the world stage. You may not know his name, um, but uh, you will know his name. Um, and, and what's so interesting about that, uh, the, yesterday, um, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I was watching um, this little commercial, and um, it brought up this uh, thing where there was a six-foot-ten um, robot that was making three-point shots at an uh, NBA game. Think about that. It's a robot that now has the ability to play basketball. So if we think for one minute that the technology isn't there, we're sadly mistaken. And, and I think it's very important that we understand um, that the one world government, um, it can be implemented fairly quickly. So a one world government was prophesied, it's in planning right now, it's technologically capable, and it's demonstrated that man would accept it based on what happened with covid for peace, for security, people will give up a lot of their personal freedoms for um, safety. And so um, one world government, that's one of the things that's beginning to fall into place. The second uh, prophecy um, that is falling into place is a global economy. In Revelation 13, 17, it says that no one may buy or sell except for one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. There's no dispute that there will be a one-world economy. There shouldn't be a dispute. If you don't believe that, come and I'll show you scripturally where that's at. I just gave you one of the scriptures. But the interesting thing is, is that now things are falling into place where it's being primed for a global economy to come on the scene. Okay? And for that to happen, um, fiat currencies, the dollar, the rupiah, all those things are going to have to fall apart. Well, listen to some of these things. Economist Peter Schiff has warned that the United States dollar will crash. Notice that he doesn't say if it will, but it will crash. Um, uh, article that I just read said world e economic heads for one of its worst years in three decades. These are articles that are coming out of economic magazines and they're basically saying that because of the energy situation, the wars that are happening, that what is beginning to happen is, is that the world economy is 
imploding. And then um, in an article that uh, I, I read out of World uh, Prophecy News, it's, the article's name was 15 Facts Which Prove That a Massive Economic Meltdown Is Already Happening. I'm only going to give you a couple of these. But I wanted you to hear this because this isn't Randy just saying this. These are um, economic uh, and economists that are prognosticating into the future. And the scary part is, is that um, they're saying that all the signs are there. Here's, here's three that I want to give to you. Existing home sales are down by 35%. It's the worst that it's been over the last 12 months, but they're saying that it's coming back just like the collapse of Lehman Brothers back in 2008, I believe it was. Um, there's, there are homes that are going to go on the market because people can't afford them anymore. Um, and so these economists are looking at that and seeing that. And then thanks, here's a second, another one. Thanks to rapidly rising cost of living, 63% of the United States population is now living paycheck to paycheck. That's significant because there's no savings for these people. And when you look at over 50% of the people in the United States not having a savings, if the dollar begins to crumble, which they're um, looking at it happen, um, what, how are you going to get food? How are you going to get things that you need? Um, and then the third one that I want to share with you is it talks about a Bloomberg survey that basically says that 70% of the United States economists basically say that a recession has already started or is coming for sure in 2023. That recession will, um, will accelerate the decline of the dollar. Now, that's bad enough, but let's look at well, what does that mean, you know, in terms of future for uh, financial uh, situation? The race towards digital currency is being expedited. A digital currency is looked upon as the way of the future, okay? Right now, there are 100 nations that are exploring a digital currency, that's according to the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. The Biden administration is pushing for our own in America, our digital um, currency ourselves, okay? And what's interesting about that is, is that uh, the New York Federal Reserve has already started a 12-week pilot project um, using the digital dollar. So it's not a matter of if, the did, if there will be a digital currency, it's a matter of when it's going to be um, implemented. The technology is here for a global economy to be developed. And it's just taking a couple of other things that are going to um, push that along. Now, you take that, the digital, you take the economic um, meltdown, and then you add to that facial recognition tech, um, technology, the digital currency, the only thing really left is the unveiling of the Antichrist to see that the tribulation is very close, okay? And, and I, I wanted to mention facial recognition because we know that in China, uh, facial recognition is rampant. But did you know um, that just recently there was a, a woman who uh, went to see her child 
perform in a dance, um, some kind of activity in a New York um, opera house, whatever it was, and I'm sorry, I don't remember, but, um, and so as she started into, uh, to watch her child perform, um, the security came and made her leave. You know why? Because their technology um, did a facial recognition on her, and they saw that she was with a an, a firm, uh, a lawyer firm, um, that were suing this place. And because she was part of the firm, not even on the account, but part of the firm, she was not allowed in that building. They did it through facial recognition. So if you don't think that this stuff is in the United States... We're, we're missing the point, okay? All right. Um, the third uh, major prophecy that I believe is, is coming upon us and falling into place is a global religion. In Revelation 13 and 17, we're told that there will be a global religion. And ultimately, all the people will be made to worship the beast or be destroyed. Now, there are several attempts to that right now, okay? Um, and I don't know what you followed or what you have not, but the Abrahamic family house uh, is a place that has just been developed in Abu Dhabi, okay? And in that place, um, um, Andy, can you put, there he is, there he is. Um, this is, the Abrahamic uh, f uh, family house. One of the buildings is a mosque, one of them is a church, and one of them is a synagogue, okay? Now, it was just completed. They have their own song, but I want, this is going to be a long um, quote, but I want you to hear what their mission is, okay? Our mission is to inspire all people to live the values of the human fraternity, we believe the values of the document on human fraternity are key to promoting peace on all levels, between individuals, organizations, nations, and even between humanity and the environment. As our increasingly fragmented world continues to suffer from extremism and intolerance, our innovative initiatives aim to bring the human fraternity values into action by inspiring leaders and empowering youth, women, and vulnerable communities to pursue and realize a more peaceful future. Long quote, um, but what are they looking for? Peace. You know, they're, they're looking uh, to inspire the world to come together um, for peace um, using this document called the Document on Human Fraternity that m the majority of these leaders that uh, you'll see here in a minute came together and signed on to. Now, I don't know if you heard our president's Christmas speech, but in his Christmas speech, um, he talked similar kinds of things. Peace, unity. He took a couple of shots at the conservatives, but peace and, and unity was all about what he wanted um, to, to bring to the, um, uh, the United States during his Christmas speak. Do you know what it was missing in this mission statement and what our president's message was? 
Jesus Christ. There's no mention of Jesus in either one of these documents. Now, I could go on and give you um, quite a few other um, headlines about this kind of thing. But what I want you to hear and see is that the world is beginning to reject the concept of a Messiah for the concept of peace and humanitarian good. Prophecy is showing us that a one-world religion will be in place prior to the Antichrist being here. What we're seeing, um, and if you read some homework for you, read Revelation 13 and Revelation 17, you're going to see that that's going to be in place um, for the, uh, the true Antichrist when he comes. But multiple religions are banding together, and in fact, um, the next slide that I have for you is the Seventh World Religions Congress. And they came together, and you can't see all of them, but the popes there, um, all of the guys with the big hats, um, there are Jews there, there are um, uh, Lutherans, uh, there are Muslims, there are all kinds of world leaders from a religious standpoint standing here at this at the Seventh World Religious uh, Congress. What's important is that all of them are signing on to this document that is called a human fraternity document. And that was the um, uh, mission statement that I gave you that came out of the Abrahamic family house. These are people that are coming together to band together to form a religion. And so what is so important about this is, is that we're watching this come together now. Um, there's a thing called Chrislam, Christianity and Islam. Um, the Pope signed a um, document with the Muslim uh, uh, can't remember, Imam, um, that basically said that they were serving the same God. Uh, and so what we're seeing is, again, things falling into place for this one uh, world or global religion. All right, the fourth one that I want to talk about that is beginning to raise its um, head is that a need for a global leader. Daniel 9 talks about that. But as you look at the world, and we talked about that a little bit before, there's not really a world leader on the stage right now that every, every, world, every country looks to. But they're clamoring for that. They're asking, you know, for where are these world leaders? And while we're not going to spend much time on this, the, the, the thing that I want you to hear is about something that came out of Israel. The chairman of the World Likud Party, his name is Daniel Dannon, and what's important is the World Likud Party is the party of Benjamin Netanyahu, who just got installed as the prime minister, okay? Well, Dannon meeting with the Abraham Accords Global, Le Global Leadership Summit to discuss ways to expand on the Abraham Accords. And that's important because the Abrahamic Accords is something that's bringing Muslims and Israel together, which we know out of Psalm 83 is going to happen in um, the Gog-Magog War. There will be countries that don't um, uh, participate that are contiguous to Israel. Um, but here's what Dannon said. 
It's just a matter of time before courageous leaders step out of the shadows and full peace is achieved between all the children of Abraham. I want that statement to resonate with you because you've heard that before. Not exactly the way he said it, but this is a high up figure in the Likud party that is in power now in Israel. So what is he saying? Well, basically what Danan is saying is that Israel is receptive to a peace initiative that will bring full peace to Israelis, to Muslims, and to Gentiles. Hmm. Where have we heard that before? Well, Daniel 9, 27 says it the best. It says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, he being the Antichrist. And so in Daniel 9, 27, what we see is that prior to the Antichrist really um, being um, the world leader, he is going to form a, a, a partnership a contract with Israel that brings peace to Israel. And during that time, what's going to happen is that the temple will be rebuilt if it's not already, and the Jews will be able to worship um, at uh, their site, okay? Um, and that there will be peace that comes be- through the Antichrist and this, this covenant, as, as he calls it. That's here. When an Israeli is basically saying that we're inviting, you know, a peace covenant, we're not far away from some of these things that um, we're seeing fall into place that will call for a global leader. And the global leader, as we know, is going to be the Antichrist. So when you look at these four that are so prevalent right now and in years past we talked about them but there wasn't really any sustenance any substance to what we knew was coming now we see it a a global um a one world government it's upon us a global economy things are falling apart in preparation a global uh religion um it's already being planned and then a global leader, and, I, and I'll be honest, nobody knows, you know, who that uh, Antichrist is, but I believe that person is on earth even now, okay? And so um, when we start seeing these things fall into place, it's something that we need to pay close attention to. All right, let's hit the last two that I wanted to share with you um, during this uh, prophecy update. First is the mark of the beast. We know that Revelation 13, 16, um, that it says that uh, there will be a mark of the beast that is coming and that anybody that takes the mark of the beast will end up worshiping the Antichrist, okay? Worshiping that beast. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because once you take the mark of the beast... You're separated from God. During the time leading up to the mark of the beast, there will be uh, most prophecy um, uh, experts believe that there will be a mass revival take place. There, we know that the 144,000 talked about in Revelation 14 will be on the earth, and they will be Paulian in nature in terms of their evangelism, and there will be millions of people that will come to the Lord. We see that um, in multiple places. Now, 
you and I will be in heaven with our Lord. But we should be really looking at the fact that there are going to be billions of people that are headed towards turning their back on God. And we see some of that even now. And so the mark of the beast, what I want you to understand is that the technology is there to implement that even now. Elon Musk, this Neuralink device that he's developing, um, they basically are ready to install that into humans this next year. So it's not that the technology isn't there, it's waiting for, for the Antichrist to come and uh, make it uh, for everybody. Sweden right now is utilizing um, a chip in their, their hand or on their head to buy and sell, to open doors, to do all kinds of things. And I couldn't find a percentage of how many Swedes are using it, but it's more than 50%. Now, here's a quote from one of the Swedes that I think is a great prophetic statement, not prophetic from a scriptural standpoint, but prophetic in terms of here's what's coming. And he said, who knows, maybe one day everyone will be making payments with their implanted microchips. That's an ignorant statement that is true. One day that is going to happen. And so when we look at What's coming, these things have fallen into place and they're ready for the appropriate time. Do we know when Jesus is coming back? No, we do not. But what we do know is that if we pay attention to the signs, we can be prepared. All right, the sixth one that I want to leave you with that um, I don't think you'll like this one very much, but um, I'm going to share it with you anyway. It's out of Matthew 24, verse 9, and it says this. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nation, nations for my namesake. In other words, Christians are going to be hated. Okay? Now, we've been disliked before, but that word that Jesus gave us, that we will be hated is very strong. And think about what's going on in the world. In Britain, a woman was arrested for silently praying, silently praying outside of an abortion clinic. She was arrested, and there are criminal charges that are pending upon her. Criminal charges. What was she doing? She was praying. That same kind of thing happened back east, uh, Midwest, with a um, uh, 87-year-old retired woman who was praying outside of an abortion clinic, and they arrested her in America. That happened. I don't think they like those people very much. And I, I, I didn't include some of the unbelievable statements from the um, um, pro-abortion group that talk about how much they love abortion. Um, probably next week at the Prophecy Update, I'm going to share some of that. But it's vicious. And then Christmas was just here, and one of the towns back east in the northeast um, 
they were having a problem about a Christmas tree, and so uh, Town's Human Rights Commission wrote on Facebook. Listen to this. You'll love this. Not really. You, who claim to believe in Christ and Christmas, are the least gracious, the most hateful, the most disgusting trash in the world. Is this what you think your magic sky daddy wants? That went out on Facebook to this town telling Christians that they're the most disgusting trash in the world. And that magic sky daddy? What's important about this in that statement, we should feel and pray for that person or those persons. But what is really sad about that is the complete hardened heart of that person. Well, Elon Musk, and I don't know if you saw this quote, this came out and said, and they were talking to him about different things, and he said, I'm okay with going to hell. That is beginning to take over in throughout the world that that's an okay place. And we haven't talked about the satanic um, demonic forces that are um, growing um, throughout the world, but there's that demonic concept that is overtaking many places within the world. And so what we need to understand as Christians, we're going to be under attack. We need to be prayed up. We need to be praying for each other. But it's not a matter of if. Jesus just said that in the end times, they're going to deliver you to tribulation, kill you, and you are going to be hated. Okay, you know what? It's not the first time that Christians have been hated in the world. Um, but if we're not prepared and we don't understand what's coming, then it'll be much harder on us than anything we can imagine. What does that all mean for us? Well, my message title makes a lot of sense now, doesn't it? Are we there yet? All the pieces are falling into place. And they're accelerated, it seems to me. But the answer is no. They're not, we're not there yet. You'll know it because I'll meet you in the sky, right? Um, and remember, I don't know if you remember this, but a few years ago, we practiced the tribulation. You know, I had y'all stand up and we jumped. Remember that? Some of you might remember that. We practiced going into the rapture. We need to practice it even more because we're close. But I want us to understand we're a blessed people. I'll read you a couple of scriptures that just overwhelm me with a blessing that I live at this time. Matthew 13, 17 goes, starts and goes, For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. And they did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Then 1 Peter 1.12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Think about that statement. God is on the throne. 
Make no mistake about that. No matter how bad it gets, Jesus said that when you begin to see these things in Luke 21, 28, he says, look up and lift your heads up because your redemption draws near. The issue for us is if our head is not in the clouds, right? Not in heavenly um, clouds, we're going to get bogged down with a, a depression or an angst or a fear. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And you know, if you go back and you look at martyrs that have happened over all, uh, all the years that the earth has been here, one of the things that you see with Christians is that when the time came for them to be martyred, they had a special faith given to them that allowed them to go through whatever the fire was going to be. Literally, some got burned on a stake. Some experienced a guillotine. Some were um, destroyed, however. But here's the point. God will give you what you need at the time that you need it. Does that mean that I want to um, be martyred today? No. Does not. In fact, when I went to uh, out on the mission field, one. I, and by the way, I never really want to go on the mission field. Why would I want to leave America? Um, but when I did, the thing that I said to the Lord, Lord, if you want me to die for you, I'm okay with that. Just make it quick, <laughs> right? Is that selfish? I don't think that's selfish. But if I was going to be martyred, that's what I wanted. And I've been on the mission field with um, people in India and, and um, Nepal and some other places that they were getting things done to them that I don't know that I could handle. And yet the thing that they would say is, God's going to take care of all of that. And if you don't know who Polycarp is, look him up. Polycarp is a, is a hero of mine, actually. Um, because he went to the stake to be burned alive. And they said, all you have to do to come down off of that is just relent and say that Jesus is not your Savior. And Polycarp said, before they lit him up, literally, God has taken care of me for 80 years. Why would I change now? We should know that we're a blessed people. What we're watching is unbelievable. Angels wanted to see what we're seeing. And so, I hope this doesn't offend, but the puny little things of, oh gosh, I may not have enough to eat, or I may not be able to do this or that, those are nothing compared to where we're going. We will get, as Christians, to walk on golden streets. Golden streets. So if you're down and you're going, God, this is too hard, go read Revelation 22. Read it. Tells you unbelievable stuff that you, as a born-again believer, are going to get to experience. If that doesn't pick you up, call me. I'll help you understand that. <laughs> but we're not done on earth. We're not done. 
God has called us, and two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever it was, I preached about us being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Being an ambassador for Jesus Christ means that we need to be living the life, sharing the life, and praying over people. And that's what God's called us to do. Now, if your faith is struggling, you know, um, come talk to me. I'd love to pray with you. But understand, we need to be praying for the lost. We need to be praying for the lost. We need to be praying for the lost. The lost are literally going to hell. And that is not a good place. That is a place that is eternally separated from Jesus Christ. Pray for the lost. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We are thankful that you show us in your word what's coming. And so, Lord, I pray that a message like today, which can be kind of a a message that brings something that we don't necessarily want to deal with, we thank you that you can enlighten us and give us the opportunity uh, to get deeper and deeper into your, your mind and your understanding of what is coming. I pray over our church, Father. I pray for those that might be listening, that if none of them know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, that today would be the day of salvation for them. And that they would pray, Father, to receive Jesus as their Savior. Because it's through knowing Jesus that we will get to come to heaven, Father. I pray also, Father, for those that are struggling in their faith, that you would just give uh, those people an extra measure, Father, of your touch. That they would understand that as a born-again believer... The future is unbelievable. And then I pray for our church for 2023. I pray for Pastor Rick that you would heal him in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father, that as we look to start a new series in Matthew, that we would understand the beauty of who Jesus is. I pray, Father, that you would empower us to be ambassadors for Jesus. We love you. We praise you. And we give you the glory because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name do we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you in this new uh, year, the week of the new year, the first week of the new year. Allow it to be something special for you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. It's one of my core beliefs that the Bible or Word of God has the power to transform our lives. It's my hope that these messages will help you to do just that and to glorify God and bless others and grow faith. If there's anything that we can do to help you with that, don't hesitate to connect with me. You'll find ways to do that in the show notes. In the show notes, you'll also find links to my sermon notes and other resources to help you in your study of God's Word. Sometimes we do need help to grow in our faith. If there's anything that I can do, don't hesitate to connect with me. I love talking to God's people about God and his word. So send me your questions and I'll do my best to answer them. 
This message was shared at Calvary Chapel French Valley in Murrieta, California. If you'd like more information about the church, go to calvaryfv.com. The link is in the show notes. Until next time, stay in the word and have a radical week with Jesus. Thank you.